Our God is awesome. Amen? Amen. He's mighty. Thank you, Father. We're going to, um, in light of Palm Sunday, uh, we are not going to go to James. We'll finish James after the resurrection Sunday. So today I want to talk to you about pleading the blood. Everybody say pleading the blood. That, that is a, a phrase that if you've been around church for any amount of time, in certain churches, you, you would have heard that, perhaps even in a prayer service, or you, you know, grown up hearing that, but we're going to talk about that today, pleading the blood of Jesus. Amen. And I printed out the wrong sermon. <laughs> Glory to God. It's okay, right? All right, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come boldly before your throne of grace to obtain mercy and to find grace in the time of need. Father, we thank you for the precious blood that gives us access to your throne. I thank you that we are not without help. We're not without salvation. And Father, I do plead the blood of Jesus over this service. May this service represent your glory. And I thank you, Father, as we talk about the blood. I thank you that the blood of Jesus, we plead the blood of Jesus over this service and over every person here and every person on their way. We want to thank you for the precious blood, that blood that gives us strength from day to day. May this not just be a song, but may it be a living reality. May we walk away from this service with a greater understanding of the blood, the greater understand, a greater understanding of the cross. For it is the cross that gives us what we need for life and godliness that qualifies us for the baptism of the Holy Spirit that made way for us to receive the third person of the Godhead. That blood gives us access to all the promises of the covenant. And we thank you, Father. We praise your name. Let's just praise God. We praise you. We magnify your name. Oh, oh, magnify you, Lord. We magnify you. We make you big in the service. We make you big in our lives. Father, we didn't come to play church. We came to experience and encounter the Christ. We came to be the church to be your dwelling place. Father, you desire to dwell in us and among us to manifest your glory. We welcome you. We welcome you. We welcome you. We praise your name. We exalt you. We extol you. We speak well of you for your God. People of God, just if you would, open up your mouths and declare how good he is. Declare how awesome he is with your words, the fruit of your lips. We speak well of you for your king and your master. You are everlasting to everlasting savior. You're the never ending savior. You're the never ending king. You're the, oh, your government should never end. Father, we praise you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Jesus sitting Jesus in our place. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who indwells on the inside of us. We thank you for angels around us. We thank you for protecting us and keeping us throughout the week. We thank you for being our provider. I thank you that every need is met in Christ Jesus. Father, we're not looking for our needs to be met. We, we thank you that they're already met in Christ, for we are complete today in Christ. We thank you. We praise you. We honor you, Father. We thank you for providing healing for our physical bodies. Father, we take hold of the stripes that, was, that, that represented the disease and the, and the sickness that Jesus took upon himself, our sickness and our infirmities, that Christ redeemed us from the curse of sin and the curse of sickness and disease and the curse of debt and the curse of poverty. 
that Christ became poor that we may become rich, that Christ became sick that we may have health. I thank you, Father. I thank you that this is a new day for us as we walk in the realities of the cross, as we walk in the redemption realities, that I thank you that redemption that was wrought and redemption that is applied, Father, a redemption that is accomplished in Christ. We thank you, Father. We praise your name. We rejoice, Father. We rejoice in the God of our salvation. We don't neglect such a great salvation. It is a great salvation because we serve a great God. We don't neglect the salvation. Father, we, 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 we want to walk in all that Jesus did to give us, died to give us, to, was resurrected to give us, and, and ever intercedes to give us. We thank you for it. And God, grant unto your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your glory, what the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, that they'll know what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them that believe. May this, this encounter not, will we'll not walk away the same. May truths be entered into their hearts. May light come into our hearts. May we see things that we never saw before in Jesus' name. Give unto me utterance that I may boldly may know the mysteries of the gospel in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may take your seats. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 19. 11 through 19. Thank you, Father. Ephesians chapter 2. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I know that we are individually the temples of the Lord, and we, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, but we call this the house of God because we collectively we come together and sit under his umbrella. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verses 11 through 19. 11 through 19. It says this, Therefore, remember that one at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus, the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinance that he may create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Amen to the reading of the Word of God. Amen. We're going to talk about pleading the blood. I, I wanted to share from James chapter 4, um, 4 through 10 today, but I'm thinking about in light of Palm Sunday, uh, we we're just need to be reminded of the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus, that is. Um, last couple of weeks, we talked about the um, war within. We also talked about Developing uh, the, the battle for a pure heart. I want to submit to you that one of the purposes or reasons for the cross was to destroy the wall between God and humanity. That there was a wall, a wall of separation. If you think about walls, what do walls do? They separate. They separate rooms. Um, this, there's walls all around us. They separate us from the outside and so forth. There was a wall of sin. That was, a, that was separating God and us. We, we were not able to approach the throne of God. The aim of the cross was to restore the relationship and fellowship with the Father. 
Abraham was also considered to be a, a, um, a, a father of faith. And he saw fit to um, demonstrate before the father his faith by the willingness of sac to sacrifice his son, um, Isaac. And we see Jesus um, being um, Isaac representing Jesus and, and Abraham representing, re representing the father. And we know 6,000 years later, Jesus died on the same mountain that Abraham was willing to offer up Isaac. Glory to God. That same mountain. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 19 is a powerful passage of Scripture. And it reminds us that the cross, um, the cross gave me what I did not have before. How many know the cross gave us what we did not have before? And I like to say this, life begins at the cross. Life doesn't end at the cross, thank God. I mean, we, we, we end up in glory. But life begins. You're not living until you have bowed your knees at that cross. We all had to come that same route in order to be in the family. Just like it was for the children of Israel as you're reading the Bible and reading through Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and so forth. As you're reading through the scriptures again this year, you're understanding that how even as the children of Israel is crossing over and, and how that's a crossing over for our salvation. We're leaving the world of Pharaoh and entering into the promised land of the kingdom of God. Amen. I mean, that's enough to shout. Amen. The cross gave us what we did not have before. It gave us access to the Father. Think about the cross, that without that cross, um, you, all the Old Testament saints, they were proclaiming and they were believing in that cross that they did not even understand. They were prophesying to that end. They grabbed hold of it. Even if it was thousand years ahead of their time, they grabbed hold of that and they had the same faith that we have. And the Lord saved them because of what Jesus. So the cross not only took care of the sins, everything after the cross, but everything before the cross. The cross made provision for forgiveness even under the old covenant, even when the cross wasn't even manifested. Because you remember in Revelation how Christ was slain, the Lamb of God was slain in the heart and in the mind of God before what? The foundation of the world. So before there was even sin, God already made provision for sin. That's good news. Glory to God. That's good news that we have forgiveness of sin and we have newness of life because of that cross. Again, life begins at the cross. We must lead people to the cross. We must proclaim the cross. The cross lets us see us for who we really are outside of Christ. We are wretched. And we are sinners and we're nothing and we're less than peasants under the cross, before the cross. But when the cross gets a hold of us, we become somebody. We become children of God. Amen. That cross gives us access to the Father. The cross also qualifies us to receive the Holy Spirit. To receive the Holy Spirit. We know that the Holy Spirit is holy. And he doesn't dwell in unholy things. And the blood of Jesus that was shed on that cross is applied to our lives. And therefore, that blood qualifies us to receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, we are able to receive the mighty Holy Spirit. God didn't leave us to our angel. He didn't leave us to some other creature. But he gave us his spirit. Amen. He gave us his spirit to empower us. Because of the cross. Why do we need the cross? Because without the cross, we wouldn't have a relationship or fellowship with the Father. Without the cross, there is no fellowship with the Father. The cross positions us to be friends with God. And we'll talk about that as we get into James chapter 4, 4 through um, 10, where we talk, we're going to talk about friendship with God. I don't know about you, but I want to be like Abraham, a friend of God. When, Pete, when God thinks about me, I want him to think about not only as a child of God, but as a friend of God. Amen. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. You should already be there. It says, but now in Christ Jesus. Let's start with verse um, 12. It says, remember 
that you were at that time separated from Christ. Do you know at one time we were separated from Christ? Don't, don't think it, don't become haughty that we are what we are because of us. But at one point we were without Christ, which made us alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise. At one point, we weren't able to access the promises of God because we weren't part of this covenant or the commonwealth of Israel. And then at one point, we had, we had no hope. It's, it's a horrible thing to not have hope. Hope keeps people alive. I remember Jesse, Reverend, the Reverend Jesse Jackson used to say, keep hope alive. I mean, there is something about hope. I don't know about you, but I need hope and you need hope. Hope is not to be despised, but hope is something good. Hope is not wishy hope like the world, but hope is an expectation. We are saved by this hope that Jesus is going to redeem. Our redemption will be complete at his return. Romans 8 talks about we are saved by hope and hope that's seen is not really hope. And we know what Hebrews 11 um, um, chapter, chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the th substance of things hoped for. So God is the God of hope. There's something about hope. The scripture says faith, hope, and love. These are powerful forces. And we know love is the greatest, but it doesn't make that hope and faith are less than, right? Or are, are nothing to be admired or to strive for, but hope is something we need. And so at one point, we were without hope without expectation. We were without God in the world. If you don't have hope, you don't have God. If you got God, you got hope. <laughs> and our hope is in God, as David says again and again, speaking to his soul. Hope not in yourself, but hope in God, old soul. Hope in God. God will come through every single time. But at one point, we were without God in this world. We were enemies of God. Think about it. You know, we, we enjoy this fellowship with God. We take for granted that we can come boldly and pray anytime we want to pray and hear from God and be led by the Spirit. At one point, we didn't have that. It was cut off. That promise of the Spirit, that, that relationship, that fellowship was destroyed because of Adam's sin and our sins. But thank God for the cross. The cross helped us to know God. The cross, without the cross, God is foreign to us. Let me say that again. Without the cross, God is foreign to us. So if you hear people talking about God and no cross, then there is no, there's really no God that they're serving, not the true God. They're serving a God or their God, but not the true God. God is a God of the cross. There's no relationship with the Lord outside of the cross. There's no relationship with the Lord outside of the cross. So all the people declaring that they have a relationship with God, they don't. <laughs> Not without the cross. You got to come way through the cross. You got to come through the cross. You got to come through the blood in order to be part of this family. Amen. But the beautiful thing is available to all. There is no, there's, no, no, there's, not, there's no knowing God without the cross. There's only hopelessness outside of the cross of Christ. So we ought to thank God for the cross. Let's just take a moment and thank God for the cross. Lord, we thank you for the cross. We praise you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for sending Jesus in our place. Father, we're so grateful. He became what we are in order that we may become who he is. Father, I thank you, Father. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the wonderful, wondrous cross. The cross drew us closer to God. The cross is the bridge. And, um, the cross bridged the gap and restored that which was lost. The cross saved that which was lost. My question for you is what was lost? We were. We were lost. And the relationship with the father was lost because of Adam's disobedience. And because of our sins, sin separates us from God. Everybody say sin, sin. separates us separates from, God. from God. So whenever we sin, don't repeat that. Whenever we sin, we are separating ourselves from God. The relationship with the father was lost because of sin. Jesus said, the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. 
He was talking about us, but he was talking about the relationship with the Father. Jesus came to restore that relationship, that fellowship. The cross restored and saved our marriages. Come on, let's give it up for that. The cross restored and saved our marriages, our wholeness, our minds, our bodies, our finances, our lives. My friend, please see the truth of the cross. Don't think of it the way religion has portrayed the cross. It, it gave us, the cross gave us what we were supposed to always have. And above all, it gave us friendship and fellowship and relationship with the Father. That's what the cross did. God wants us as his children to become his friends. To become his friend. I love this verse, verse 13 again. It says, in Christ. But now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In Christ, we are made near by his blood. In Christ. Are you in Christ today? Thank God we're not in ourselves or we're not in the flesh, <laughs> but we're in Christ because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of us. Let's just go here real quick. Go to Philippians, which is the next book. Philippians chapter three, verse nine. We're talking about pleading the blood. Pleading the blood. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. When you got to say amen. amen. It says, and be found in him. Talking about Jesus. Be found in Christ, Jesus, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And of course, verse 10 says that I may know him. Go back to Ephesians 2. So we are found in Christ this morning, my friends. We're found in Christ. This is where we live. The scripture says in Colossians 3 that our lives are hidden in Christ. We, this is a reality. And let this, let this sink into your heart. That, that we are found in him. In him we have the righteousness that gives, that gives us access to the throne of grace. In Christ, we have we've been made righteousness. We've been made the righteousness of God that gives us access to the throne of grace. In him, we are true children of God. Are you in him today? Amen. Um, if you are not born again or saved, you can receive him today by simply placing your faith in him. He will save you to the utmost and transform your life. Salvation is available to all who will believe and call upon his name. The blood of Jesus empowers us to be close to the Lord. The blood of Jesus empowers us to be close with the Lord, to the Lord. When we say we plead the blood, we're simply saying that it is on the basis of the blood I take my rightful place in him today. It's, it's, you know, you talk about pleading, it is like a defense, right? Or, you know, some people say, I plead the fifth, or I take, this is my stand, or this is my, this is where I am. I'm taking this, I'm taking my rightful, I'm taking advantage of my rights. So when we say pleading the blood, it's not a magical thing, it's not a mystical thing, it's, I'm saying that when you deal with me, you're going to deal with me based on the blood. That, that when I say I plead the blood of Jesus over my life, I'm telling the enemy that you're going to deal with me based on the blood of the Amen. lamb. You're not going to deal with me based on my past, my sins, my failures. You're going to deal with me based on Jesus. Amen. Amen. My association, my, my connection, my, my big brother, my savior, my king, I, based on the blood you got to deal with me. When I approach the throne of God, I don't approach his throne based on my own works. I can't say, I did this, Lord. I did that, and I did that. And I'm, I read the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, every 30 days. I, 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 I was the perfect employer or employee. I was the perfect student. I tithe. I give to the poor. I, I do these great works. You don't go to God based on those things. 
You go to God based on the blood. I approach your throne based on the blood. I plead the blood over my situation. My stance is the blood. I take my rightful place in Christ. It is, when I say I plead the blood, I'm simply saying I am redeemed. I am protected. Whenever there's danger, you plead the blood. You remember, you remember the um, children of Israel, um, when the deaf angel came, what did they do? The Lord gave them instruction that says, I want you to take the blood of the lamb, which represents the blood of Jesus, and put it over your doorpost, right? So when the deaf angel comes... He's going to have to deal with what? The blood. And because of the blood, he, he actually over, he, he passed over, death passed over that household. See, when you plead the blood, you're saying, death, you're going to have to pass over this. Devil, you're going to have to pass over this. The blood rebukes you. The blood causes you to be arrested. The blood causes you to stop your assignments. Amen. The blood, when you say, I'm pleading the blood, you're saying, I am saved. And you're saying, I am healed. You're saying, I'm delivered. I'm well. I'm rich. I'm restored. I'm complete. I am a child of God. We plead the blood of Jesus today over ourselves and over our children and over our stuff. Did you know you can plead the blood over your stuff? I plead the blood of Jesus over my things. Amen. We plead the blood. We take our stand on the basis of the blood. The blood of Jesus, pleading the blood. Um, you're not begging for the blood to be applied. You're simply saying it is already applied. Amen. This is my stand. This is my, I take my place. I plead the blood of Jesus over this service. That, that means no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. We have the word which is the word of God. How many know the word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword? The word of God will fight the enemy every time. It will defeat the enemy. You say it is written and the enemy has to flee. There is power in the word of God. That word saved you. That word caused you to be born again. We have the name. The name of Jesus is greater than every name. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue should confess that he is Lord. That name is greater than every other name. That name is greater than cancer. That name is greater than diabetes. That name is greater than sickness and disease and poverty. That name can drive out devils. That name can cause you to be well. That name gives you access to the throne of God. That name does. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Instantly, you're at the throne of God. Amen. On the basis of the person and the work of Jesus, I say in the name, boom, you're there. You have God's ears when you pray in that name. When you pray in the name of Jesus, you have God's attention. All of heaven will back you up when you say that name. It's as if Jesus is praying. And guess what? We have the blood. We got the word, the name, and the blood. The blood cleanses us. The blood protects us. They overcame by the blood of the lamb. You overcome by the blood of the lamb. You, listen, the blood is not just, oh, I thank you for the blood. But you got to plead. Plead the blood. You got to apply the blood to your circumstances. It, see, the promises, of God don't, the promises of God don't automatically fall on you, on you like cherries from a tree. But you got to appropriate the blood. You got to apply the blood. Apply it to your marriage. Apply it to your mind. Apply it to your finances. Come on, talk to me. Apply it to every area of your life. When you go to work tomorrow morning or today, I plead the blood over my area. And we will be successful today. And this department will give glory to God. Whether you're saved or unsaved, this will come in line with the word of God. Amen. You, you take the blood as your stance, and he says, I know weapon that is formed against this situation shall prosper. Amen. I think we need to plead the blood a little bit more. I think we need to sing about the blood a little bit more. I think we need to rejoice in the blood a little bit. You overcome by the blood of the lamb. You don't overcome by thinking about it. You, come, 
you, you overcome by applying it, making it a part of your daily life. You ought to thank God for the blood. Today, when we take communion, I want you to think about what the blood has done for you. The blood has set you free. You're no longer a prisoner of sin. The blood cut off the, the sin line. The, the blood destroyed the works of the enemy. Amen. The power of the cross is in the blood. Let me say that again. The power of the cross is in the blood. See, there was two other men who died on that cross on that day. But it was the blood of the lamb that is power. Amen. And Jesus presented his blood before the father, the mercy seat. And so when God sees us, he sees us through that blood. He doesn't deal with us according to our righteousness, but he deals with us according to that pure blood, that blood that was not tainted with Adam's sin. Amen. The blood. Stop. Stop holding grudges. Start appropriating the blood over your relationships. Amen. Let's look at 14 and 15. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. For he himself, for he himself is our what? Peace, who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinance that he may create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace. I love the fact that verse 14 says, for he himself, Jesus himself, is what? Our peace. I love what Paul is saying. Paul is not saying that Jesus wasn't just peace for himself because Jesus and the Father had perfect peace, perfect relationship, unhindered relationship, and unhindered fellowship. But he says, but he is our peace. He is our peace. Save and, and uh, Jews and Gentiles in Christ. He is our peace. Christ has made us one new person. Christ Jesus is our peace. He is our peace. Everybody say, he is our peace. He is the one to give us peace with the Father. He gave us peace with the Father. At one point, we were enemies of God, and now we are at peace with him. At one point, God was opposing me, and now God is with me. God is for me. At one point, he was against me because of sin. Now he is for me because of the blood. He is our peace. Romans 5, go over there real quick. Hold your places in Ephesians 2. Romans 5. Romans chapter 5. Verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. When you got it, say, I got it. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. I'm reading out of ESV. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Go back over to Ephesians 2. We have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that whatever God is going to do, he's going to do it through Jesus. He's made our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We are complete in him. So everything is by Christ Jesus. The New Testament is the revelation manifested, completed, unfold. That, that, that progressive revelation throughout Genesis through Malachi does not give us the perfect picture of God. If I just had the whole Testament, uh, um, it, it would not have been enough. If I had just had the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it still wouldn't have been enough because it doesn't tell me what that redemption actually accomplished. But it's in the epistles that I understand how redemption is applied to my everyday life. Amen. I, I can see now that when it, a lot of times when it says an evil spirit was sent from the Lord, as you read the Old Testament, you know from the character of Jesus that Jesus is God manifested in flesh or the will of God in action, that, that there is no evil spirit from the Lord. But in the translation, uh, it, 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 there's a causative effect which simply, simply talks about how God permitted an evil spirit, not that an evil spirit was sent from him. Are you understanding me? Uh, so we understand that Jesus revealed to us the Father and his will. It says in Christ, we, are, we, we have peace with God the Father. Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. Jesus is the will of God in action. If I want to understand the will of God, I need to read 
about Jesus. I need to look at Jesus. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God it's not through Adam, the first Adam. Thank God it's not through us. But we have peace with God through because of Jesus, because of what he did, his birth, his life. How many know his sinless life? His life was perfect. Uh, he did not miss a beat with the will of God. Even when he was tempted, he yielded to the will of God. <laughs> he did not sin one bit, not in his, th- in his thought life or in his, in, or in his action or in his, his tongue. He said everything perfectly. So it is in that perfection. It is in that righteousness. He kept the law and turned around and set us free from the law to do the will of God, to produce good fruit. And so it's, it's, it's peace with God. But it's, see, a lot of times people want to have peace with God, but they don't want to go deal with Jesus. You got to deal with Jesus if you want to have peace with God. Because God and the, fa- the Father and the Son are, are inseparable. They cannot be separated. There was a one moment in time that they were separated. Father, Father, why have thou forsaken me? And God turned his back on his own son so that he can gain other brothers, so he can gain other sons and daughters. Amen. We listen to this truth and let it dominate your life. You have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you mess up, you confess up so he can clean you up. Amen. So he can put you back into fellowship with the Father. Every time you mess up, you plead the blood. <laughs> you run to the blood. You take the stance in the blood. The blood is my advocate. The blood is my stance. The blood is what I'm, I'm applying to my life. Because I have an advocate with the Father. Let's go over there real quick. If, um, 1 John chapter 2, then we'll get back to Ephesians 2 and I'll sit down. Um, if um, First John, chapter two. <laughs> Thank you, Siri. <laughs> I know that was perfect. That was good. Um, First John, chapter two, verse, verse, verses one and two. It says, "My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not what sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. I love the fact that he says the righteous. He's not just Jesus, the prophet." He's the righteous. He is the righteous. He is the only one holy in Israel. He's the only one holy. He's the only one. He's the only one who who took our place. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. He is is our peace. He's our righteousness. He's our sanctification. He is our wisdom. Uh, He represented us, the righteous. Verse 2, he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. He became the very thing that we are so we can become who he is or what he's done for us. He, brought, he came down to our level to bring us up to his level. Now we're no longer under the wrath of God. We're under grace and we're seated together in heavenly places in Christ. At one point, we were far away from the throne. Now we're at the right hand of the throne. We, we are in intimate relationship with the Father because of the Son. Go back to Ephesians 2. It talks about, it goes on, he talks about how we, he is our peace, that Jesus Um, has satisfied the wrath of God. He has appeased the judgment of God by becoming what we are so we can become what he is. Because the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. Glory to God, there is no longer a war with God, but now there is peace with him. When you're at war with somebody, there's going to be some type of fighting. Now we have peace. Now we have favor. We're under the, our, our lifelong as long as we're connected to Jesus, we're under the year of Jubilee. We're, 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 we're the, the year of, of freedom and, 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 and enjoying the favors of God. Amen. Um, there, um, there's, now we have there's a relationship with the Father because of Jesus. And it goes on. He says he made us both. Who's the both? I'm glad you asked. Um, Jews and Gentiles who are believers. Um, one. He has destroyed the wall of hostility between us and God and with our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
He made us one in him. At, at one point, we were um, not in the same covenant as believing Jews. But now we are. We, we, we are no longer two, but we're one in Christ. It is through Christ we have become a brand new body, one body. We are one body in Christ. We are one body in Christ. We, we are members of one body. We are not separated from each other. It is through Christ we can fulfill the prayer of the Lord, according to John chapter 17. He prayed, Lord, make us one, um, um, one in me, a one in us. Make us one. So the blood of Jesus not only reconciled us to the Father, but it reconciled us to one another. To one another. Um, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And so here, Christ has made us one new person. He has reconciled us to God in one body through the cross. He destroyed the hostility. You haven't been around in a hostile situation or circumstances or environment. It's just hostile, whether it's at work or at home. Jesus destroyed that hostility. Um, the most important our hostility with the Father, but also the hostility among us as brothers and sisters. He knows that there is a, tem uh, a, a, a temptation to be at war with one another, even as James in chapter 4 says, why are, there why are there wars and fightings among you? The blood, the blood actually reconciled us to be with one another. So the blood, you can plead the blood of Jesus over your relationships. He, Jesus removed that which caused us to be at odds with the Father, but he also removed the, uh, the things that caused us to be at odds with one another. We are reconciled to God through the body of Christ. I'm reconciled with my brothers and my sisters in Christ through the cross of Christ. I'm no longer separated or at beef with God or with my brothers and sisters. So the blood empowers us to be on one accord. The, the blood empowers us to be one in him. So no matter where you come from, this is why a person, can, slave and master, can be on one accord. Um, the, employee and the, employee, the employer and the employee, blacks and whites, Jews and Gentiles, Rich and poor, it doesn't matter because the world unites us based on our status, where we come from. But the blood in Christ, we are one because of the blood. We have a common salvation. That's why in the church you should have young people and older people, blacks and whites and rich and poor. Why? Because it's through Christ that we are one. Amen. You get that revelation as you drive home today. Christ Jesus destroyed that which keep us apart from God and each other. So we need to plead the blood over our relationships. Did you hear me? Apply the blood of Jesus over our relationships. The blood of Jesus will make enemies the best of friends. What do you have in common with somebody who does not like you, who does not think like you? The blood. The blood. You understand how a church should be like? It should not be because everybody likes this certain thing. We like the music. We like this type of music. Or we like this type of preaching or this type of environment. But the blood gives us reasons to be one. To be one. Amen. Forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. Let go of the past. Let it go. See others as God sees you. Stop hanging on to that which first offended you. Stop holding grudges. Forgive even as you have been forgiven. Are you with me? You got to plead the blood of Jesus over your heart and you got to be willing to forgive people. We talk about battle for a pure heart. You can't have a pure heart holding on to unforgiveness. So what? They offended you. We offend, we offend God often. I ain't getting too many amens over that. Plead the blood of Jesus over your heart and over your mind. Plead the blood of Jesus over your relationships with all. 
In a marriage, you got to learn how to forgive, forgive, forgive. That is the core of marriage. That's the core of our relationship with the Father. Forgiveness. He's always forgiven us. Oh, you messed up today. You sin, you didn't know you sin today. Your repentance needs to repent. <laughs> you know, for, I forgive your repentance because it was one of fleshly. You just repented because you want me to deliver you from this situation. I forgive you for your motives. That's how the blood is. And so we should treat one another like that. See, one another as the blood sees us, as God sees us through the blood. Forgiveness. We plead the blood over our relationships. With our, dealing with our kids, we forgive. Come on. You can't hold forgiveness, unforgiveness. The other day I was so mad at Destin and Courtney's like, you going to act like that? Come on, you got to forgive. You're going to release him from that. We have to do that on a constant basis with your kids, right? Future parents, you got to learn how to forgive your kids. Oh, I want to kill that boy. <laughs> Just like a dog. A dog will forgive you. You could beat it, and then it'll come right back. <laughs> Always forgiving. Just showing the nature of God. Just forgiveness. And we likewise should forgive. It's something. We hold on to unforgiveness. Well, some of us, some people go to their grave with unforgiveness. But you got to release it, and you got to learn how to forgive people. Even if you don't necessarily trust them, I just, I forgive you. I don't hold this against you. And once you forgive a person, you don't ever bring it back up. You hear, you hear me, right? Uh, once you forgive a person, you don't ever bring it. Has God ever brought, in it, brought it back up to you, what you've done? What you did two years ago, or three years ago, or five years ago, or ten years ago? You know when you were ten, you did this. Oh, you know, I, I'm not going to bless you because you did that. God, does, God is not like man. He forgives. and he, he separates you from that sin as far as the east is from the west. East and west never cross. And as Helen Baylor says, he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. He chooses to forget it. Not that he's going crazy or senile. He, he chooses to not remember it because he sees the blood. He understands you didn't read your Bible this week. There's forgiveness. He understands you're not consistent with your tithing. There's forgiveness. And that doesn't give you, let me not tithe because I'm going to get some forgiveness. No, don't do that because you'll operate under that curse. Even though you're blessed, you'll still be inviting the curse into your life. Amen. Oh, I didn't read my Bible. I'm not going to read it now because there's forgiveness. Should we continue on in sin because grace is available? You frustrate the grace of God. Esau said, the Bible says that he sought repentance with tears and did not find it. Sin will separate you from God. It will harden your heart. So you don't continue in sin just because there's forgiveness. But because there's forgiveness, it empowers you to do right. Because when you know right, you do right. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17. It says, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off. And peace to those who were near. He came and thank you, sir. Um, he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to who were and peace to those who were near. Let's stop there. 17. Christ preached peace. Are we preaching peace? Nothing missing and nothing broken. He came and preached peace. Peace to your relationship with the Father. He says there's peace available for you today with the Father. Peace to your relationship with one another. And I love it like this. I love this. Peace to your body. Everything that is disturbing your peace in your physical body, Christ came preaching peace. Behold, your, according to your faith, be it unto you. Peace, be still. Peace to your mind. And check this out. Peace to your pockets. Peace to every aspect of your life. Say peace to all because that's what Christ preached. Well, the enemy says that the Lord will not forgive you. Just say peace. You're not trying to get peace with God because you have peace through Christ. You're simply echoing what God has already done for you. So our confession is not making God do something. Our confession is agreement with God. I agree with God that I have peace with God. No matter how I feel, I have peace with God. Now, how many, you know, a murderer could die, could, a murderer could go to prison and he can confess Jesus and God sees him not as a murderer, but as the righteousness of God. 
You understand that, right? Um, so there's peace. So when the enemy comes and reminds you of your past, you remind him of his past, how he was defeated at the cross. Remind him, bring up the cross to him. Bring up the blood. The blood is against you, Satan. The blood is against you. I have peace with God. I have peace with one another. If you're in an argument with your spouse, speak peace. Or with your significant other, peace. I speak peace in this relationship. There will be no drama in this relationship. There will be peace. The peace of God surrounds us, and the peace of God causes us to be in harmony with God and with one another. Amen. Verse 18. This is my last. So I got two more scriptures. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. I love the scripture. Through, the Christ, through Christ and his cross, we have access to, in one spirit, to the Father. Everyone can have access. We have the ability to approach his throne. Alan said it earlier, that blood gives us access to the throne of God. I'm pleading the blood over my relationship with the Father. The enemy can't touch this relationship. Go with me real quick to Psalm 15, verse 1. Psalm 15, verse 1. Pleading the blood. I think we need to plead the blood a little bit more. Amen. Plead the blood over Jesus, blood of Jesus over your sleep at night. The enemy has no right to disturb your sleep. Jesus died to purchase peace in your sleep. Amen. You, you have a right to claim peaceful nights. The enemy should not disturb our peace at night. Satan, take this, the blood. That's what you do. Oh, you, oh, you want to keep me up? I'm going to read the whole Bible. I'm going to pray in tongues. I'm going to fast. You're going to keep me up? I'm going to plead the blood if I have to 24-7 Sorry, until I get some rest. You say, after 24-7, you need some rest, right? But you understand what I'm trying to say is don't let the enemy disturb your peace. Jesus died to give you peace. Psalm 15, 15, Psalm 15 verse 1 says, Oh, Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? I'm glad you asked, David. I'm glad you asked, Mr. David. David is asking questions we should ask. Who can dwell in your tent? Who can live in your holy, on your holy mountain? These are sobering questions that should be in the hearts of every believer. Who shall ascend to the, the mountain of the Lord? Who can be with the Lord? Who can live in your presence? I'm glad you asked that, Mr. David. Um, Amplify says, Lord, who shall dwell temporarily in your tabernacle and who shall dwell permanently on your holy hill? That's Amplify. I'm going to tell you the answer. The cross of Jesus wiped away anything that would keep us from his presence. Man, that, 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 you remember that Ephesians 2, I just got finished reading? It is because of the blood we, we have access. Everybody say access. access. You know, when you have one of them access um, um, cards, you can get to any in the areas, right? The, the blood gives us access to God. Yeah. Um, so who can ascend to the mountain of the Lord? The blood gives me access. The blood qualifies me to go before the Lord. Glory to God. The blood qualifies us to approach his throne without any guilt or condemnation. I don't know how to look down, but I can look up. I can, I'm seated together in heavenly places. I'm at his right hand. When he sees me, he sees the blood. Amen. Amen. That should liberate you in your prayer life. Your prayer life should go to another level because of the blood. The basis of the blood. Father, I come before you on the basis of the blood. I thank you that you hear me because of the blood. I thank you that you're going to answer my prayer because of the blood. I come boldly, not as a sinner asking, oh, God, you know, he's going to destroy me. No, 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 no. I come boldly. I come as a son. I come as a daughter. I come as a king and a priest. Yes. And I say my petition. I, 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 Lord, I cleanse my heart. Create in me a clean heart so I can pray the right prayers. Yes. Holy Spirit. See, the Father, you're approaching the Father. Jesus is at the right hand and the Spirit inside helping you to pray. Yes. 
And you can't lose like that. You got the, the entire Trinity at work on your behalf. Father God is there listening. Jesus is, is your advocate, and the Spirit is helping you to pray. Amen. Amen. Who can approach the throne of God? Who can go to the holy hill of the Lord? This is, there's a longing in the hearts of humanity to be with the Lord. What, what is the world looking for? The Lord. The, the world's wanting someone to be perfect, someone to, 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 they can rely on. Someone who to cleanse them from that guilt, uh, that stain, the stain of sin. David also said in Psalm 27 verse 4, he says, One thing I desire the Lord, that I may dwell in his presence forever, or dwell in his house forever, that I may behold and inquire of the Lord, that I may behold his beauty forever and ever. The one thing that David is asking and seeking the Lord about is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus going to the cross was God reaching out to humanity. The entire Christianity is based on that God um, is, is the God to be with us and for us. We're called to know God. He yearns for us. So who can approach God's holy hill? Those who've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. <laughs> I can go to the hill now. I, I can live on the hill. I live in the hill. I live in his presence. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I, I can go there and live there and stay there. That is my reality. That is my secret place. So the enemy can't go into that secret place. That's it. You got to have access. And the beautiful thing about it, you can go to that, in that secret place on the behalf of those who can't. That's called inter intercession. You intercede on the behalf of someone who can't intercede on themselves. Father, I come to you based on such and such. And see, you can affect their lives through the prayers in your secret place. Man, that's good news. You can change the world through your prayers. Amen. 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 Last scripture, I promise you. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. I hope this, uh, two, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. I hope this is blessing you and encouraging you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, it says, So then you are no longer strangers, aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. We're no longer strangers, saints. <laughs> We're no longer strangers. Who are the strangers? Those who will not allow the Holy Spirit to apply the finished work of the cross, they are strangers. Those who have hardened their hearts to the calling of God, they are strangers. Those who refuse to receive what he died to give, they are strangers. Those who refuse to embrace Christ and Christ alone are strangers. John chapter 10 tells us that the sheep know the voice of the good shepherd. And a stranger, they will not follow. So do not follow strangers. Do not listen to strangers. The wisdom of the world, that it should be strange to the ears of the saints. Do not listen. The Bible says in Psalm, Psalm 1, it says, Blessed are those who, who uh, meditate on the word day and night, uh, who take, don't take heed to the counsel of the ungodly. Don't let the ungodly raise your kids. Don't let the ungodly tell you how to be successful in your marriage. Don't let the ungodly tell you how to live as a single person. Don't let the ungodly tell you what to do with your money. We are to store up treasures in heaven, right, by what we do on this earth and with our earthly possessions. We're not strangers. We're not listening to strangers. And he goes on, he says, we're no longer aliens. We're now we're not foreign to the things of God. We're not, we're now fellow citizens with the saints. So I am a fellow citizen with the saints. Listen to this. We are saints along with Paul, Peter, John, and so forth, and the rest of the saints. We are members of the household of God. Let this truth reside in you richly. You are members of the household of God. You got your seat. You got your place. This is who you are. We are members of the household of faith. We are members of the household of God. We are no longer sinners. 
So remove that from your vocabulary. I'm just a sinner. And people say, saved by grace. Either you're saved by grace or you're a sinner. I choose to be saved by grace. We're no longer sinners, saints. You cannot be a saint and a sinner. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? Sinners don't get their prayers answered. Sinners are not justified and righteous in the sight of God. But saints are. Now, it's available for sinners. I'm not trying to say we're better. We've just been washed in the blood. We choose to have the blood of Jesus applied to our lives. And listen to this, and this is going to hit most of us at home. We're not just mere humans. Mere humans. We're not just mere humans. I'm just a human. A lot of times people use that as an excuse for sin. We are saints. We are kingdom citizens. We are members of the body of Christ. We are members of the household of God. We are the blessed of the Lord. We are his beloved. We are his people. We belong to him. The cross made all this available to us. We are friends of God. We are friends of God. He's my friend. If we receive it, we are slaves, servants, children, branches. We are loved by God. We are his temple. We're his body. We are his ambassadors. This is who we are. Let me say that again. We are slaves, servants, children, kings, priests, branches. We are loved by God. We are his temple. We are his body. We are his ambassadors. This is who we are. We are the healed of the Lord. We are redeemed. We are his representatives, representatives upon the earth. We are strong. We are blessed. We are rich. This is who we are. We're not trying to become who we are. We are who he says we are. Application. I got three. Number one, understand the cross and walk in the truth of what it has provided. One, understand the cross and walk in the truth of what it has provided. Understand the cross and walk in the truth of what it has provided. Number two, stop denying who you are. Stop denying who you are. God called you his saint. God called you his member. God called you his body. God called you his branch. Come on. God called you his temple. God called you a king and a priest. This is who you are. God called you a son. And in the son, we are sons and daughters. In the son, S-O-N. We are blessed. Don't say you're cursed. You're blessed. Don't say you're weak, you're strong. Let the weak say what? I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. That's a reality. He became poor that you may become rich. He became sick that we may be healed. He shut his mouth so we can open up our mouths. His name was ran through the mud so that we can speak his name. He took our name and placed it in the Lamb's Book of Life and gave us his name to use against the enemy for prayer. Amen. Stop denying who you are. And number three, plead the blood of Jesus over every aspect of your life. Plead the blood of Jesus over every aspect of your life. Plead the blood of Jesus over your money. I plead the blood of Jesus over my money. In the name of Jesus, this money belongs to God, and it will go and multiply. This is my seed. Glory to God. Let me, let me read this that I heard a man of God say the other day, and I thought it would really, really bless you. I can find it. Thank you, Jesus. Here we go. If I can find it. The blood of Jesus is available to all. Amen. Did I take the wrong notebook? The blood of Jesus is available to all. Glory to God. Pleading the blood. That's what, that's what you should do all the time. Every day, I'll plead the blood of Jesus. As you give this morning, I want you to keep this in mind, that the harvest of my seed has swallowed my need. 
The harvest of my seed has swallowed up my need. I plead the blood of Jesus over my finances. I plead the blood of Jesus over my body. I plead the blood of Jesus over my heart. I plead the blood of Jesus over my children. I plead the blood of Jesus over my wife. I plead the blood of Jesus over this church. This is our stand. The enemy cannot touch those things that we plead. We overcome by the blood of the lamb. That sounds good, but how do we apply it? You plead the blood. Amen. Father, we come to you based on the blood of Jesus. We come boldly in your presence, not out of arrogance, but out of a humility of heart, understanding what the blood has done for us. It gave us access to the spirit gave us access to the Father. I thank you, Father, that you are our very own Father. Come on, let's pray this prayer. Say, Father, Father I, thank you I thank you that you're my very own Father. Very own father. We, are we are one. We walk together. We, walk together. we, talk, together. we talk together. We have sweet communion. We have sweet communion. Father, father I, plead the blood of Jesus I plead the blood of Jesus over my life, over my, life. Over my relationships, over my over my stuff, over my finances, over my mouth, over my heart. Lord, I thank you for the precious blood that has power in it. I am strong. I am blessed. I am your child. I am the righteousness of God. In Christ. In Christ. Just worship him for it. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We love you, Father. We love you, Father. We thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. We thank you. The blood that oh Father, we thank you for that blood. That blood is that blood is healing bodies now. In the name of Jesus. That blood is cleansing marriages. That blood is cleansing minds. That blood is destroying strongholds. We plead the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Father. The blood of Jesus covers our relationships. Thank you, Father. The blood, we plead the blood over our relationships. We plead the blood over our minds and over our sleep. Oh, Father, we thank you. Our stand in the, is the blood on the basis of the blood. We, we access the, the promises, the covenants of promise. Oh, we are part of the commonwealth of Israel because of the blood. We're no longer aliens. We're no longer strangers. We are no longer far from you. We're close to you. Oh, glory to God. We thank you, Father. We thank you. Our, our, our lineage is blessed because of the blood. We plead the blood of Jesus over our lineage, over our children's children's children. We thank you, Father, that you'll visit up to three generations of our children with the blessing of the Lord. Amen. I thank you that our seed will be mighty upon the earth. I thank you, Father, the things that we sow today will reap a harvest tomorrow. We thank you, Father. We praise you. We glorify you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. Is there anyone here who does not know Jesus?